The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. One thing we know is that grief doesn't take a holiday. There's hardly a family that hasn't suffered the loss of a loved one at the holidays. Many enter the holiday season with feelings dampened by the awareness that Christmas, New Year's, or Hanukkah really are the anniversary events of the loss of a loved one. There are others who are suffering from a loss this present holiday season. How do families cope? What do you tell a five-year-old who's wondering what happened? while we were waiting for Santa. Our guest today is Connie Palmer. She's an experienced teacher, therapist, and school counselor with 30 years working with children. At present, Connie is the clinical training director of Imagine, a center for coping with loss in Mountainside, New Jersey. Imagine provides community education and free year-round peer grief support for children ages 3 to 18 and young adults ages 18 to 30 who are coping with loss due to the death of a parent, a guardian, or a sibling. Drawing upon this experience, Connie's going to discuss why are holidays such a difficult time for families who are grieving? How do children grieve differently than adults? How do teens grieve differently from children and adults? How do we support and help them? And how can grieving families plan and cope during the holiday time? Connie is a returning guest to Psych Up Live. She was the guest who gave us the wonderful and important show, Turning Bullies into Buddies. Connie Palmer, it is my great pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Well, Suzanne, it's my pleasure to be here today, and hello to everyone out there. Great. Connie, let's start with that first question. What makes the holidays so difficult for folks who have had a loss or are suffering a present loss? Yeah, I I think there's so many things. Um, One of the things that I think is important to think about is that, you know, you've had, you've experienced the death of this person and perhaps other losses in addition to that. But when the holidays come around, what you're also facing is the loss of the holiday as you knew it. So there, you know, that very important uh, time of year and, and the way that you've always done things, the presence of the person who's no longer there, perhaps some of that end of the family no longer comes. So there's there, the holiday, um, you know, the, the next year that it's celebrated after a, a loss, it's going to be different. And that's a loss in and of itself. So uh, often that familiarity that we have in the holidays and, you know, this is, you know, who always plays Santa and we always have Aunt Mary's cookies or whatever those uh, rituals are, it's different. Mm. And 
that that's a loss in and of itself. So I think that's one part of it. And the other thing that I think makes it really tough is that there's a lot of expectations during this season. Uh, there's expectations we have of ourselves, of other people, expectations they have of us. And when you're grieving any kind of loss, you're tired. <laughs> you're at a point in your life where um, you're, you're, you know, just getting up and doing what you have to do on each given day is is hard enough. And then if you add to that, you know, your own expectations of yourself, you know, I was, you know, I've always done these kind of things during the holidays. Um, I've always hosted this open house or whatever the the expectations of the typical schedule is. And then also, if you have children, uh, they have expectations of what their, you know, what, you know, the the Christmas has always been or Hanukkah or New Year's has always been like for them. So I think that's the Mm -hmm. kind of combination of what makes it tough for people. Mm. Now, in terms of where people are at, in terms of their journey of mourning um, the loss of a loved one, maybe you can talk a little bit about how it can be different for someone who's just lost someone six months ago as compared to someone who's lost someone six years ago. We all get Mm -hmm. confused with these terms, loss, grief, mourning. Maybe you can help us Mm -hmm. add that piece to it also. Yeah, that's a good place to jump off, and then I'll get to that first question. So loss is anything we lose in life. So there's lots of losses that we all experience, uh, you know, could be divorce, could be moving, could be uh, a loss of a friendship or a loss of a relationship. So there, there's lots of losses in life. A diagnosis is a loss. And, of course, the death of someone who's been in your life is also a loss. But then there's also secondary losses or losses that you have because of that loss. So if a family is going through a divorce, their holidays are going to be different and there's a loss in that. Mm. Uh, you know, if there's been a death in the family, the holidays are going to be different and that's a loss. So there's, you know, the holidays are kind of one of those main secondary losses <clears throat> that, that uh, individuals and families go through. And whenever you have loss, so any of the things I just mentioned, you're going to have grief. So Grief is all the feelings that you have inside whenever you go through any kind of loss. So it's the feelings, it's the thoughts you have, it's your whole experience because grief impacts our whole beings. It affects our bodies, how our brains work, our feelings. Often we're on almost a feeling roller coaster. Um, and then, you know, when what we have grief, so if we were, um, you know, in a group of people, now, in the old days, people wore black or they wore a black armband or you could tell who was, had gone through a loss. Nowadays, if we gave out a T-shirt that said, hey, my name is and, I, and I'm grieving this loss, most people we run into are dealing with one loss or another. And what we're wired for as human beings, whenever we have a loss and we have these very natural and normal but painful feelings of grief, we're wired to mourn. And mourning is when that internal experience becomes public, when we can talk about it, when we can express the feelings and get support for that. 
so we're, you know, needing to mourn, uh, and that can take a lot of different forms depending on the person. But we're, we're needing other people to enter into that experience with us and to know how to do that. We'll talk more about that, um, especially as it relates to the holidays. But back to your other question, I think that's so important, Suzanne. So how are the holidays different if this is a new and recent loss, uh, especially a loss as it relates to a death, or whether this is an old loss? So I want to tell you a story. Yesterday, it just so happens, Imagine did a Facebook Live and Mary Robinson, our executive director, and I did it. And Mary publicly uh, shares her story that her dad died when she was a teenager. So we were talking about the impact of how um, long-term uh, that experience of grief can be. So Mary told a story uh, that she was out for a walk just a couple days ago, and she saw a dad with two um, young kids on bicycles, and they were having a lot of fun, and, and she... You saw them and thought, oh, that's just lovely and had this very positive reaction. And, uh, but then as soon as she walked by them, this very visceral pain of her grief of missing her dad just, just came up in a very big way for her. And even though that's been, you know, more than 40 years ago, it was, it was still really a powerful, um, reaction. So we don't, we don't get closure. We don't get over it. What we learn, I think, as we grieve is, is how to, um, cope with the loss and how to integrate it into our lives and really how to stay connected and, and remember the person who died. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mary just let herself have the feelings and, and, you know, uh, was, was able to, to do that for herself and then went on with, with her walk. So, um, you know, if we think about the holidays, it, even losses that have happened decades ago, when the holidays come that, you know, and we have memories of being with that person on that holiday, the holiday itself is, is a reminder. Uh, is something that's going to bring that memory to mind. We're decorating the house and we see our grandmother's, um, you know, plates or we're, you know, we're um, planning for Hanukkah and there's, uh, we're making someone's special food that they loved. Um, so these, these are things that are going to be reminders no matter how long ago the death happened. And, and so therefore the grief just sort of uh, can naturally rise up. So someone who's had a more recent loss, you know, there is, as a lot of people often say, there, there, it's just a raw, uh, very raw emotional experience, uh, that recent loss. And sometimes people are still in a state of shock, uh, still really taking in the reality yes. of what's happened to them. Right. And, you know, but then we often hear it imagine, you know, hey, the second year is the hardest. And I think some of that is because there's a lot to do the first year. There is that numbness, uh, that feeling of shock and just being overwhelmed. And then the second year, the feelings are, are there waiting for us. Um, so, you know, we, we don't tend to um, have like these set timelines of when am I going to start to feel better? Uh, I think the reality is that um, when the, the more new the, the, the loss is, the more we're just you know, struggling to make it through the day. Uh, and then if you add the stressors and expectations in of the holidays, the holidays are going to be a much tougher experience just because you don't have uh, some holidays in your back pocket that you've made it through and you have some, okay, here's how I'm going to cope. Here are some strategies. You're, it's, it's brand new for you. 
Yes. So yes. that that I think adds to the challenge. I think of getting through the holidays with a fresh <clears throat> loss. And when it is a early loss, there's still such a sense of dysregulation and disbelief that even physically, you're not quite sure where to start and how could I how could I even do this? How can I do the holidays? It's much yeah. more difficult, and that's where family members, friends, etc., as you're going to be speaking later, make such a difference. But again, even at that point, and if if expand this for me. Children and teens and even different family members are in different places. Someone mm-hmm. cannot even think about the loss. And someone else is saying, but if Norna were here, we would now be putting the ribbons on the tree. So that that's the other mix that I've heard about, Connie, which is it, across the entire journey time-wise different members of different at different ages and even different genders in the family are at different places mm-hmm. yeah I think that's very true and you know one of the things that we say here at Imagine is that everyone is going to to experience that grief in a different way and want different things uh, during that and want different things from one another. Some people like to be left alone. Some people, you know, want to be with people all the time and being alone is really hard. So we're all so different in what we want. And I think just knowing that, just what you said, it's just, it's just wisdom for a family to say, hey, we're all going to want different things. So what if we let each other know? Because one of the things I think about certainly American culture is that we were, you know, we think people should kind of know what we want and they don't, um, you know, so to say, you know, in a family, you know, this is, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm needing some space or, you know, if I'm, if I'm in my room, which is very typical of a teenager, it doesn't mean something's not okay. It just means I'm needing space mm-hmm. and teenagers mm-hmm. developmentally need that anyway. So, it would make sense that that they that they might uh, want that, and parents might assume, oh, there's something wrong. You know, they're hiding, or they mm-hmm. they should come out, and and it may be no, they really do need that. Um, and I think what's you know to have conversations if possible. Now, you know, if you add in you know just the experience of loss and grief and the pain of that. And then you add in, you know, trying to have a conversation about, with, you know, your uh, the people in your family about what you're needing and wanting for this holiday. Sometimes that's just too hard. But if mm-hmm. you can, I think it opens up the lines of communication. Uh, you know what? I I I I don't want to be a part of going and getting the Christmas tree. It's just going to be too hard for me. Or I don't want to go to the cemetery and put the grave blanket on, or whatever the ritual might be. So mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, or you know, I want to do it differently this year. So having those conversations ahead of time can make uh, it a lot easier on everybody. For sure. Now, the question that families are always asking that I know our listeners are waiting to hear you discuss is, what do we tell a five-year-old who suddenly realizes something has happened that has changed everybody's mood? Or they've been seeing, even as people are, have been decorating or whatever, that people are nervous or worried or crying. What do you tell children about loss at the holiday time or any time? Yeah, I, I think that um, what we here at Imagine believe is that you, you tell, t- tell kids the truth. 
you know, that kid, what all the studies show uh, is that, you know, kids do better when, um, you know, they're not feeling like they're walking on eggshells and that there's this uncomfortable something is going on, but they don't know what it is. So to say, to, to even say to a young child, you know, people uh, are going to come and have lots of different feelings uh, when, because they're missing daddy. And um, some people are going to be happy. Some of them are going to be sad. Some of them, you know, might be uh, quiet or different than usual. So to prepare people ahead of time, just to let them know that they can, um, and and that you're also letting them know that they can have all their feelings. And so let's say that a, a mom, um, you know, let's say there's she, her husband has died, the father of her children has died, and she's letting, you know, they're talking about the holidays, and she can say, you know, I'm having a sad time right now, and I'm really missing your dad. And I think that's really okay. We don't want the kids to be the main support for an adult because adults should have adult support. Uh, but to let them know that you're feeling sad um, and, you know, that allows kids to also say, you know, I'm, I'm missing dad or I'm missing this person, whoever it might be. Does that One help? Question. Is that what you were, did I? Yeah, yeah. And even we have a few minutes, but I wanted to bring up something that came up a lot, of course, um, after 9-11 or throughout the trauma work that I've done over the years, which is when someone says, I can't cope with the holiday, we're not doing a holiday, and there are children mm-hmm. involved. And yeah. you know, the, the position that I've taken is we may not be able to do Madison Square Garden type um, holidays, but they can't lose everything. They somehow may need right. to do it different, but we can't forget their children. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Connie? Yeah, I think I completely agree with you that, you know, I think lowering our expectations is is a, a gift we should all give each other probably across the board in life. And certainly when you've gone through a major trauma uh, or a major loss or both, because very often, the, you know, the death of a parent, death of a spouse is traumatic, um, but is to lower our expectations and, you know, that... Um, you know, how can I make this easier, but still find a way to create some sort of meaning? Uh, when you think about what holidays are about, it's about people coming together. It's about some sort of ritual of the way you're going to do things. And um, it, it's, it's hopefully a, a time where you're... Um, you know, in, if possible, enjoying um, the reason that you're all being gathered together. So, you know, that's that's kind of what you're wanting to to create for kids, and to say, well, we're just not going to do the holidays is would be a really major loss. But interestingly, uh, Mary shared another story. Uh, the first uh, Christmas after their dad died, her mom, uh, you know, out of love, created the exact you know, same Christmas they had always had. And Mary, what she said yesterday was, you know, that was lovely and, and, and really, you know, felt good. It was comforting to have all those familiar things. But it also felt surreal because mm-hmm. their dad wasn't there. So, right. you know, what are, you know, some things are going to be different. And what, how can you, uh, you know, be able to kind of find a way to be together to, to have some sort of marking of this holiday, but also live in the reality that it's not the same. 
that yep. no matter if, even if mm. you make a carbon copy of last year's Christmas, it's not the same. And I think, you know, that, that can take some of the pressure off, but you're right. We do need to think about the kids' needs and, you know, figure out our best way to go forward. That said, that doesn't mean that we need to do all the bells and whistles. That we, you may, when, one of the things about, you know, going through a loss, and, uh, we, we had imagined called them only parents, you know, so if you're an only parent, mm. Uh, you've got a lot on your plate, and you're especially if this is a fresh loss. So you know, I, I, I don't want to say I don't want to add uh, any more <laughs> expectations or or weight onto that person's shoulders. But just to you know to have some discussions with your family and how do we want to do it differently this year and what's really important to them because you may say oh well we just won't do this one activity and that may be the kid's favorite thing. Right, so right. I think that communication part is is really the key. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. And today we're talking about families coping with loss at the holidays. And we're here with expert Connie Palmer talking about children, family. She's the clinical training director of Imagine, a center for coping with loss in Mountainside, New Jersey. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories, too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests or people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Connie Palmer about how families cope with grief at the holiday times. I was mentioning to Connie that it's my experience that both little ones and teens are very good at picking up the tone and the vibe of the adults in the situation. And often they hold back even positive feelings, negative feelings, or even saying anything. So 
they actually end up being unable to sort of have some ways of dealing with the grief themselves. So, Connie, what do you suggest when everybody's watching everyone and no one's saying anything? Yeah, I, I think that that is a really common thing. When, when families come here to imagine, uh, you know, it could be a week after the death, it could be five or ten years after the death, what, what they all have in common is that an elephant has moved into their house. And that elephant is the, the reality of what, how the family has changed and all the grief that, and pain that that change has caused. But no one's talking about the elephant in the room, this new elephant that now lives in the house. And the reason for that is really benevolent. It's very, you know, uh, parents uh, don't want to talk about the elephant because they know that it may upset their kids. And what's the most painful thing for a parent to see is to see their children grieving. And then conversely, what's the scariest thing for a kid is to see their parent upset. So we have this you know, um, a kind of an unconscious agreement that everyone says, well, we'll just not talk about it because it's just so hard and so painful to even broach the subject. But what we know is that, you know, if you don't talk about the elephant, it actually adds to the problem. So even though it's really painful, the pain is there already. It's just, are we going to be able to find ways to talk about what's happened? And that, when families come to imagine, one of the benefits of it is that they are able then to, on the way home from coming here, to talk about the person who died, to talk about mm-hmm. their feelings. And, and that's really what you want. And, and when you think about the holidays, Suzanne, that it's, it's it's almost like there's two elephants, <laughs> you know. You've right. got the the loss, but then you've also got all of the the things about the holidays, the memories, the meaning, uh, and and just that you know pressure that comes from how are we going to do this uh, do this one event and and figure out how to do it differently now that that person is no longer here. Mm. Now, we haven't mentioned this, but I, I'm just remembering now a story that. Uh, a gentleman told me that he lost his dad and it was Christmas Eve or very, very close to the holiday and he was sent to a relative. And so mm. he, the feeling was, what happened? Because mm. somehow he, he lost the whole set, so to speak. Sometimes, and I think it happens less, Connie, now, but... The notion that we'll send the child away so they don't have to grieve with us really doesn't work well because we always say that even if you are suffering as a parent, you're the lifeline and you may not be able to become a rockette for the holidays, but the fact that all you can muster up is some gifts and some cookies, most children do better being at your side than being Mm -hmm. at Aunt Mary's, even though it's loaded with gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if people do that so much anymore, but I, I guess I want parents to know no one has to be perfect, but even our imperfect selves are very valuable to children when there's been a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that presence, you know, it's mm-hmm. your presence that's what... Uh, kids are longing for just being around you. Even even those teens who are <laughs> often so uh, challenging to 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 their parents. Yeah. 
sometimes teens, and it almost is helpful to them, if there, if there is a generation gap between children or siblings, a teen will step up and say, I'll buy the gifts for the little ones. So sometimes, mm-hmm. and when, I know we're going to get into that, how do we help families use their own basic resources to deal with the, not only the elephant, but the holidays, as you say? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, we don't want to parentify, you know, we don't want to make the kids in the family, you know, take on adult responsibilities, uh, you know, in terms of being that parent figure. But can they help with the tasks? Absolutely. You know, I I think that's uh, having a sense of purpose and having a role um, and being a part of of a family is, is you know, a, a beautiful thing in any time, but certainly after a loss that people bring their gifts and talents and energy to the table and uh, that's a helpful thing if they're if it's something that they, you know, are willing to do. So I think, you know, ho- however the family can sort of plan out, um, you know, whether this the teenager is going to buy some of the gifts or help decorate the tree or whatever the, the tasks are. I th- and I, I think the more that uh, people are... Um, dividing up those tasks and, and working together, that, that, you know, is a beautiful feeling for a family to be able to have, even after a loss. It, it reminds me of a few cases where um, the the unexpected happened, and the thankfully, the, the parent was open to it, which is, there's a recent loss around the holidays, and so on Christmas um, or on New Year's, all the teen's friends show up. And it's certainly not the way they may have celebrated it, but maybe it's even better. And that's mm-hmm. that idea mm-hmm. that new new rituals or the unexpected often is a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it kind of happens organically like that, you know. Yes. Um, and I think when it happens like that, that's wonderful, you know, just sort of, oh, this worked. Uh, but you can also be intentional. Like, what are the what are the rituals that we love and we want to make sure we keep doing them uh, in terms of what happens which day? We always get our Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving or whatever uh, the ritual is in terms of time or in terms of what kind of foods are made. Uh, you know, here at Imagine, we've, we've created activities for the families and for the kids who come here. So uh, some years uh, they will make a plate, uh, which everyone decorates, and then they bake the, you know, they, it's one of those markers where you bake it, the Sharpies, and and that mm-hmm. way that can be at the place of the person where they would have sat or could, cookies could be put on it, maybe their favorite cookies. We've also created candles where uh, a special candle could be lit to remember that person. So when one of the things that happen when you lose rituals, you, you want to determine, you know, what would feel right for this year. And it may not be right again next year, but for this year, what, what if we tried this? What do you all think of that idea? And I think, um, you know, that uh, coming together and trying some of those new rituals and uh, that, that is a really enriching thing, but it's still, it's still fraught with a lot of feelings. So mm-hmm. because you're going to miss the old things, there's no way to not miss those things. But having some additional things to try can help fill some of that, um, you know, void. Absolutely. Now, you use this term holiday grief belief, Connie. What what do you mean by that? Yeah, so one of the things we've realized at Imagine is we walk ar- we all walk around with 
a lot of beliefs, which we, we all, that's not a, an unknown thought for any of us, but we walk around with grief beliefs. We walk around with beliefs about how we're supposed to spend the holidays and what they're supposed to look like. And then we also walk around with our own set of holiday grief beliefs. So let's say a, a grief belief might be um, uh, time heals all wounds. So uh, we want to check, is that really a true statement? We want to consider, is that belief healthy and helpful? So it turns out time in and of itself doesn't do anything to heal. Uh, it may change some of that numbness and rawness, but it's actually what we do in that time. Do we talk right. about our feelings? Do we get support? Uh, do we create new rituals? And then we some of the uh, holiday beliefs are, so if you, if you turn on the TV, you know, or you're picking up a magazine, you you see some of those beliefs, like it has to be, you know, you, everything has to be decorated, and um, everyone's happy, and everyone's together, and smiling, and there's no conflict, and, you know, it's sort of a Norman Rockwell sort of uh, belief about how the holidays are supposed to work. And then we have the holiday grief beliefs, uh, which is that somehow we believe that it's not okay to have a whole mixture of feelings that or that we're supposed to be able to go to these holiday gatherings and control our feelings of grief or be positive uh, or that you, you can't change the schedule or change the rituals or that you can't disappoint people or change your mind or say no uh, to whatever other people's expectations are. So I think getting aware of, first of all, your own grief beliefs and getting aware of your own expectations about the holidays, but then also what are your beliefs about how you feel or what you feel about uh, this upcoming holiday, and and are some of those beliefs healthy and helpful? Like maybe you have a belief, hey, you know, I'm going to figure out um, what's going to work best for my family, and we're going to do the best we can, uh, and and try to enjoy uh, being together. Now that's a healthy grief belief. <laughs> that's a healthy mm-hmm. holiday grief belief. Uh, mm-hmm. But often we have some beliefs that we hold on to that actually causes pain and distress and actually add to the challenge of the holiday. So getting aware of those things uh, ahead of time and uh, then making decisions about, you know, how you're uh, going to, you know, hopefully, you know, focus on some of those beliefs that are more true and more healthy and helpful for you and for your family. Okay. Now, one of the things um, that parents will ask is, how do I know if this is typical grieving for my five-year-old, or uh, is, is she or he having a much more difficult time, and should I seek help? What are the kind of range of things that we would expect of um, youngsters? What's the range we might expect for teens? So parents aren't, in addition to everything else, worried that their kids are struggling too much. You know, and I think the real, the hard part as a parent is that is just the fact that your kids will struggle. Period. <laughs> they are going to struggle after any major loss. It's it is the reality of uh, of life. I don't like it uh, for myself. I don't like it for anyone. But it is the reality. So. Um, you know, one of the things I would say we're looking for, especially with kids, is that um, is to understand that they grieve a little bit differently. So the the one thing that um, you know, parents are often like, "Oh, you should talk about it," and please, you know, and this is true for teens as well as for kids. 
But kids often are not, they're just at the beginning of forming words for their internal experience. So they not, they're not always able to say, right. oh, I'm really missing daddy, but they might have a temper tantrum or they might have a, have a longing for their dad and not be able to articulate it and just pick a fight with their sister. Right. Um, so they're going to act out. Their grief is going to come out in their behavior. So one of the things we say to parents of grieving kids is listen to their behavior. Don't judge it. Now, certainly we all want our kids to behave nicely, especially around the holidays. We should all be happy, right? But it, that's not reality, and especially when there's grief. Uh, so we want to be, okay, so they're acting out, they're, um, they're having some meltdowns, uh, there's some conflict. There are really good reasons for that behavior. Yes. And if we're thoughtful about it and, and say, you know, I can see you're, you're you know, picking a fight with your sister. I wonder what you're mad about. Tell me about that. You know, mm-hmm. and having a private conversation and offering some support. And, and even just self-disclosing, you know, I'm, sometimes I get really mad. And it's, mm-hmm. I get mad because I miss, I miss your father and I wish he was still here and I'm not as patient as I normally am. And that just you helps know, normalize that for, for the kids. One um, of the things, one of the things that, that sort of fits this particular point of our conversation is because of the dysregulation at these times when we don't think, or I invite you not to think of timeouts, but time in. So if, yes, if, exactly. if just as just as you're saying, Connie, if they're tantruming or using the insisting on having his toy, although that those those are the times to to, to say, come with me, we're going to set up the cookies. Come with me, mm-hmm. we're going to do something. At those times, we need to help the child regulate. They don't do that well alone. They're too little, so they really need yeah. co- positive connection at that time. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other way that, uh, and this is something that, uh, you know, absolutely I didn't know before I started working in the field of children's grief support, is that children really experience the grief of the death of, of someone in their lives very differently than adults. So adults, because our, of our brain development, we're, we're fairly constantly aware of what's happened. Now, we might, you know, get distracted, but, but pretty soon the reality is of what's happened is, is going to be back in our consciousness. Kids are right in the moment. So when they're playing trucks, they're playing trucks. They're uh, usually not thinking about the person, uh, even here at Imagine. But when they have a need for that person, you know, they're, the, this is the person who would have helped them when they were sad, or uh, this is the person that would have made their lunch for them, or this is the person, if we're talking about the holidays, who would have made the hot chocolate with them on Christmas Eve. When they experience that absence and their, and their need of that person, that's when the grief is going to come up in them. Right. Uh, so a lot of times people say kids are resilient. They're fine. Look at them. They just are, you know, there's nothing, no, no, nothing's changed for them. But the reality is, is it's just because they grieve differently. So they grieve more in bursts. You know, so you'll see a burst of grief, and usually that comes out in behavior. And then they'll go back to kind of, you know, who they normally would be playing and, and uh, interacting. So I think that's another helpful thing for families to be aware of. And that's, and that's even true of teens as well, that they yes. are, um, you know, going to be, um, you know, having all these feelings. And, and as, you know, their kind of developmental goal is to separate and, and you know, attach and connect with their friends. Uh, 
so they've got, they're sort of torn because they're at a point where they really need their family. They've gone through this major loss, uh, but yet on the other hand, they're developmentally supposed to be separating. So they get caught in that sort of catch-22, and that can yes. create a lot of conflict for, uh, between, um, between parents and, and their teenage kids who are grieving, that's for sure. Yeah, we're just about out of time, but it brings to mind a teenage girl who would torture the mother all day, but then at night snuggle up next to her on the mm-hmm. couch and mm-hmm. want want her and need her next to, you know, next to her. But we're going to come back and speak mm-hmm. much more. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Connie Palmer. She's the clinical training director of Imagine, a center for coping with loss in Mountainside, New Jersey. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're here with Connie Palmer. She's the director, the clinical training director of Imagine, a center for coping and loss. And we've been speaking about families, members of families, how people grieve different ways, different times, children, adults, teens. And one thing that Connie mentioned that I thought was so important is she reminded us that the tantrum of the little one is often masking grieving. And we sh- it's worth saying that anger is very often a mask for despair, depression, and grieving. And that can emerge in adults. In often more in men than in women, but as you say, Connie, very often that's something you find in teens. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, you know, and I think that, um, that, you know, when, when, if people are more able to think about and, and get those other feelings normalized, the sadness, the fear, fear is one of the most shamed emotions I think that we have of all those, you know, the basic emotions. And yet it is the predominant feeling that, that grieving kids have. That, that is their, uh, kind of, whether it's conscious or not, they're afraid. And one of the things they're most afraid of is, of course, that their only parent or whoever is taking care of them will die. Uh, because it's already happened once. So, you know, I think just really seeing that that people are going to have all these feelings and there's nothing wrong with them. They're painful sometimes, but they're just information about how I'm feeling inside. And, you know, let, kind of creating a, you know, we maybe we don't want you to act on all your feelings, but that all your feelings are okay. And we want to find ways to, to talk about those and, and have that be a part of how families operate together. You know, you just said now, um, in terms of the fear of loss, it reminds me that in this culture now, very often different family members, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, very many people participate often in the child rearing. I know many grandpas waiting to get children off buses, and it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. ritual. So we should never presume to know how close... A, a teen mm-hmm. or a little one is to a particular family member because everyone has their own private relationship with family members. That's right. It, yes. You know, and I, and I think uh, when someone older dies, uh, often, you know, what, what kids hear from other people is, oh, they lived, they lived a good life, you know, and focus on that part. But for that kid, if, if you know, grandpa was the one who did homework with them and got them off the bus and, you know, they had the relationship while that was going on, this is a major loss for them. So I, yes. I think that's a really important point. Now, in terms of just this, what are the kinds of strategies that we can um, share with our listeners that can help lighten, you know, the, the grieving and what they face? So um, I think that it, what one of the things I say is give your give yourself the gift of having all your feelings at the holidays, because it doesn't grief isn't going to take a holiday. So when the feelings come up, you just say hello, sadness or whatever the feeling that that you're just observing it and saying okay, so you know this when I was pulling out the ornaments to put on the tree, it stirred up a lot of sad feelings, uh, and it or it could be not at a time you expect. You could be out doing the grocery shopping and it. Right. Get you then, so just you know when they come up, they're um, when we resist the feelings is when we start to get, start to have problems and it starts to kind of leak out of us in unexpected ways. So I think that's one of the main things. The other thing is um, you know, and and this is again tough for only parents, but it, to ask yourself, what do I need? Uh, and to think about that, especially at the holidays. So. You may be in a need right now for quiet, for not going out to lots of parties, and you may be getting a lot of pressure from people. Oh, come on, you know, the person who died, they would want you to keep going, and, you know, we want you to come. Don't stay home. But that person may really want to stay home, be quiet. That may be exactly what they need. And I, and I think to, first of all, get aware what would feel good for me, and then to give yourself, you know, that permission to say, you know, thank you so much, you know, maybe I'll, is it okay if I feel up to it, I'll come, but if not, 
you know, I, I just know that I may want more a quiet evening at home. And to let people, you know, um, cons- you know, for us who are supporting grieving people, to respect that boundary and to realize that we, if we really care about them, we want them to get what they need on that holiday. So I'd you know, say that, that saying no, that giving yourself the gift of your feelings, and then really considering what do I need um, and how can I best figure out a way to meet that need over the holidays. Connie, you're reminding me, um, in, I've done many bereavement groups for, for widows, and their favorite book is always, I'm grieving as fast as I can. Because mm-hmm. um, people will keep saying just what you said, come out, it's time, it's a year. But, but the, the entitlement to grieve at your pace and time and to go when you want to go, as well as to, you know, respect an urging here or there to try something is really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And we also may be rushing ourselves and say, okay, it's been a year, I should get back into it. And that may feel right, or it may not. You know, it, it, each person is going to be different in terms of what is, is good for them at, that, at, a, at any given point of time in their grief journey. Now, this brings us to the, the question that friends and extended family often ask, what could I do? What do you think I should do? Should I just buy all the kids gifts? Should I have them all come to my house? So how can we help the friends, the extended family who, you know, a step out of the inner circle are nonetheless hurting for their friends and family? Right. You know, I think one of the things, and actually Mary uh, Robinson, uh, who I mentioned earlier, she talked about her first Christmas without her mom. Her mom died um, a few years back, and she was with um, some uh, people who knew her mom for the the holiday, and um, they were very lovely to her and thoughtful and included her, but no one talked about her mom. Mm-hmm. And Mary really wanted to talk about her mom and would have loved for someone to, you know, say, oh, you know, I remember your mom and to tell stories. Now, that would be what Mary would like. Some people would not want that. So I think it's the, the hard part is that it's really individual, what, what someone is going to need or want. And, and uh, that's why those, um, you know, conversations, you know, I know you're going to come over. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about your mom. Would you prefer that, you know, of course you can do whatever you want, but would it be okay if I'm thinking about her and a story comes up for me to share that? You can just ask that person. Perfect. And they, they'll yeah. let you know, no or yes. So, you know, I think the bottom line thing is that we get uncomfortable around people's feelings. And especially it's, it's you know, that kind of walking on eggshells, awkward feeling because being around someone you love who's in pain is very powerless. And we all want to do something to make them feel better, but we can't because they're in pain because of this this loss. So it's not like, uh, you know, talking about it or recognizing the reality of it. That doesn't add to it. It's more than not talking about it and saying, well, how could I be helpful? Or if I, if I make a mistake and do the wrong thing, please tell me uh, because, I you know, I'm, I'm probably going to make mistakes. So we, one of the main things is you don't have to cheer the person up. Uh, if they're, you, you right. want to give them the gift of having all their feelings. So if they're sad, 
if you're, you know, if you care about them, you're going to let them be sad. And you don't have to fix it. You don't have to try to cheer them up or you're, if they're wanting to talk, they'll talk. And if they don't want to talk, they won't. And you're just there to be a witness and to, you know, be a support. Um, the other thing is uh, that we, and just in general, no matter whether it's the holidays or not, we want to follow the grieving person's lead. And that includes kids. Uh, so if if the person is just wanting to have fun and that's what their message they're giving you, you have fun with them. If they really want to talk about the person, then you, you know, listen to them talk about the person and ask, could I share a story about your dad uh, or whoever it might be? So you want to follow that lead. And, and I have to tell you, Suzanne, that decreases my anxiety a whole lot. Like mm. if I know all I have to do is sort of, you know, either ask directly or sort of look for clues, like what is this person wanting right here at this moment? And, uh, you know, often they're giving out a lot of clues uh, to, to help you know how to best support them. And the mm. other thing that I think is important is, like, so I, I'm someone who likes a hug when I'm grieving. I don't know. Are you a, are you a hug person, Suzanne? Yes. 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 So mm-hmm. now I'm betting there are listeners out there who are, who are like, please don't hug me. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, what I'm most likely to do for you is what I want. Right. So we make an assumption of, well, I would want, you know, let's say to, to talk about the person who died, but the person who's grieving doesn't. So I think, um, you know, just being aware to not make that assumption that what you would want and what you would need is going to be really different from this person. Or if you think about it, let's say you're an extrovert. Well, extroverts are going to grieve in a very different way than introverts. Introverts need a lot of quiet time, especially after a major loss. Mm. And extroverts are, are going to be around, want to be around other people. So people are really different, and just being aware of those differences is, is really, I think, can, can help avoid a lot of uh, unintended um, you know, consequences and mistakes. Now, Connie, as people are listening, I mean, they, the people in New Jersey are very fortunate to have Imagine there, and um, you, you and the team there and the services, are there other centers? For, we have folks listening all over the country. Mm-hmm. How would they find a center that might help them and their children with grieving? Yeah, so there's uh, there's a one of the main websites is the um, the Alliance for National Alliance for Grieving Children. Again, National Alliance for Grieving Children. So if you Google that and you click on Get Support, there'll be a whole list of grief support centers like Imagine. Uh, there are, are four other grief support centers in New Jersey. Uh, we, I, I think every state should have even more than that, but, but definitely you would be able to find a list. You could also go to the Dougie Center, D-O-U-G-Y Center, and that also has a list of, uh, and also lots of good information on how to support grief children, both of those websites would be really helpful. And I think and each of them has a, has a list of how to support a grieving child in the holidays. So that is another resource where you could go. Terrific. Now, what about if they wanted to contact Imagine? 
Yeah, so you can uh, go to our website, which is imaginenj.org, and learn more about us. We'd love for you, if you live in the area, to go on the website and sign up for one of our informational, inspirational tours where you really uh, can learn more about our mission. Our number here is 908-264-3100. Definitely, we, we love... And if you ever had a question on, you know, how do I support this person or... We've had this recent um, tragedy. Uh, Imagine and other grief support centers, we are there absolutely for that reason. So please reach out um, and we would love to support you. Thank you. Um, We have a few seconds left. If there was a few words you would want to send out to our listeners, what would it be, Connie? You know, and I guess the last thing I'm thinking is if you're grieving this holiday season, to just be gentle with yourself. I, my parents both died in 2017, and you know it was it it is um, it's a tough time, and we can be so hard on ourselves. So I guess my wish for the listeners would be just to be gentle with yourself and and gentle with the grieving people in your lives, um, okay. and just you know extending that kindness to them. Perfect. Thank you. I want to especially thank you, Connie, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's a gift to all of our listeners nationally and internationally. Thank you again for being our guest today. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you all for listening. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast by 6 p.m. Eastern. This will be a podcast on your iPhone, on your iTunes, under Podcasts, Voice America, under Psych Up Live. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, go gently, please take care, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.